Being Black in America comes with its challenges. However, we understand that enlightenment through education is the oppressor's worst fear. By bridging the gap between academia and the people, our purpose is to equip you with knowledge that breaks down barriers during your journey towards truth and freedom. Welcome to the Black and Highly Dangerous Podcast. Hey, yo, Dad, what's going on? What's going on? Nothing much. Just got back from Boston. So a little bit tired, but also a little bit uh, re-energized after seeing all of my school friends and <laughs> talking about, you know, schoolwork and research and stuff like that. Um, mm. So it's cool because, you know, being away from campus and not really having conversations with people about what's going on, you just feel so detached. So it was really cool to like, you know, just you know, feel like I had a place in this world. <laughs> Get back into your, your natural, yeah. your natural setting. Yeah, huh? my natural setting. I, I, you don't realize how much you need it until you get mm-hmm. there and you're like, dang, I needed this. This kind of revived me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. People who are used to just being in academic spaces <laughs> and you're kind of not in it. It's like, dang, who do I, who do I talk to about this? Who do I deep dive? <laughs> What just happened? You know, you just be by yourself. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah it's true because if you're not in that world, you know, you could be talking to somebody about something. They're like, okay, that's so so not a big deal. But then you talk to one of your academic friends, they're like, oh my god, that happened. Like, you know, let's <laughs> figure this out. Um, so I know I seem dramatic to like family members or something like that. Probably, yeah. <laughs> I can see that. I guess I never really thought about that because, you know, I guess, you know, Kristen, she's she's been in academia too, has a piece. So it's like our, a lot of our conversations are like that. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking like, what if I wasn't with somebody who else, who also had a PhD, you know, somebody who wasn't familiar with academia, what kind of conversations would I be having at, at the home? Yeah, I definitely feel like I come across as dramatic and be like, just make a decision. Or I come across like really <laughs> indecisive. I'm like, you just don't understand. It's a lot of politics involved in these decisions. You have to make the right one. <laughs> so That's how it'll be with every time I go visit my parents. Mm-hmm. Even when me and Kristen both visit my parents, like my parents are always like, all right, did everything have to be so deep and profound? <laughs> <laughs> Can we just watch the movie? I'm like, all right, all right, all right. Let me take it back. Yeah, so it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> oh man but yeah about the next week start back semester starts back up so winter break flew by you know but i'm gonna enjoy these last few days for sure and just take it easy before you know getting back to the, the hustle and bustle of of teaching and whatnot are you gonna do like a netflix binge again i just started this show that people have been talking about i'm only two episodes in uh you have you, have you oh yeah, out? I've watched the first episode and it was like uh, creepy. <laughs> yeah, but those of you who are not familiar with you, um, again, I'm only two episodes in, and I've been seeing a lot of buzz on social media and other podcasts been talking about it. But it's about a guy who's like essentially stalking this girl, um, and it's like from his perspective and his thoughts and like kind of what he does. Um, it kind of gives me like Dexter vibes. I don't know if you ever watched Dexter. I did. Before. Yeah. Yeah, vibes like that where it's like it's like this creepy element and you should really be supporting the main character, but you are in some weird ways. It's like <laughs> it definitely gives me Dexter vibes. So so I'm probably gonna finish that series before before the semester begins. Yeah. I also feel like um, you know, not not to give too much away, it's kinda like we're all neurotic 
in some of the ways he is, we just don't mm-hmm. take it to his level. Because some of the yeah. things he's done, I'm like, okay, I know plenty of people who have like done what is like the you know creep. Yeah, I, think, I mean, yeah. essentially, you're talking about the so probably the social media yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah, um, and how you could just get so much information from social media. <laughs> Which is interesting. Like, it definitely makes a stalker's job easier, but it's also like, uh, how much information do we really put out there? If somebody really wants to find out about you, they can really put connect some dots for sure. They can. And I would also say there are so many websites. I think there's like peep, true people search my life where they have everything, your age, your addresses, who your family members are. It's Mm kind of creepy. And all of that is in the Google search. And they just I think they like scour public records and then they put it all in one place. So people could low key conduct like a background check on you, you know, know who your family members are, know all of your past addresses and and et cetera. So it's actually kind of scary how much is on the Internet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got to start being careful with that. I think, you know, we're just living in the times right now, but I think, you know, 15, 20 years from now, we're going to be like, oh my God, you're going to see a bunch of people trying to go back and delete their social media presence. It's going to be tough to do. Yeah, it is. It definitely it's is. It's going to be tough to do. So I've been real careful with that post, you know, grad school and all that stuff. So it's going to be tough for people to find a lot more detailed information about me after I, after grad school now. You'll see a lot of stuff for me in, in grad school, undergrad, but... <laughs> my most recent life won't be that much information yeah I actually I have lots of friends who have like public profiles and private profiles mm-hmm. you know public mm-hmm. Instagram private Instagram so yeah I do too I have um, a private Instagram and public one um, so yeah a lot of people have been doing that but yeah I just don't post anything on there <laughs> Be where you don't, you don't. <laughs> My page is empty. Uh, it's partially because, you know, people like really put a lot of effort into like making their Instagram like cute and perfect. So I've just, mm-hmm. I've been like slow to like do anything. Cause I'm like, what do I really want this Instagram to look like? So I, I don't know. Maybe I'll post My Instagram that. is random. <laughs> yeah. My Instagram is random. I, I mean, I wasn't posting a lot on Instagram. Sometimes I look back and I'd be like, dang, I post like, like maybe like 10 photos a year or something like that. Um, but now this past year, most of my, most of my social media posts have just been BHD related. So. Yeah. <laughs> that's all that's out there. But yeah, but yeah, everyone be weary. Pay attention to what you're posting out there because I'm sure in a few years from now, we're going to be like, dang, you know, you want some more privacy, but because of the internet, you might not have it. Um, but all right, let's, you got some old Lord news ready? I do. I do. All right. All right, let's go. Hello. And welcome to BHD News, where we give you the most current and eye-opening old lore news of the week. Join us as we present news that'll make you want to say... So in gots to be more careful news, um, a man bought a lottery scratcher ticket and he scratched a ticket and told his roommate that he had won ten thousand dollars. The man takes his winning ten thousand dollar ticket to the lottery office to cash it in. But lottery officials told him that his ticket had been forged. Yes. Okay, the very next day, the man's roommate shows up at the lottery office to cash the winning ticket. And it turns out that not only had he 
took his roommate's ticket and gave the roommate a forged one that the ticket was actually worth $10 million and not $10,000. Oh, wow. Yo, that's insane. Yes. But the great thing about this story is that, you know, when the man uh, went to the lottery office and they said his ticket was forged, the man actually went straight home and called the police, filed a report and, you know, said that, you know, he thought somebody had maybe stole the real ticket. So the man who went in to cash the ticket, who had, you know, taken it from his roommate, he was actually uh, not very smart. Um, And he was arrested for a grand, I think it was grand larceny or probably, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so he's in jail and a man who thought he won $10,000 was able to walk away with $10 million. Dang, can I be that lucky? (laughs) First of all, how you miss a whole zero? Yeah, that, that's a, a lot couple, of money. No, missed. you missed like two zeros. Ten, yeah. 10,000, 10 million. That's a few zeros missing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You missed, definitely missed a few zeros, <laughs> but hey, I know he ain't mad at that. I know. That's a nice, pleasant surprise. But, but now his name all in the news, everybody going to know, his family going to know, because that's the type of thing I wouldn't tell nobody. I would help people, but ain't gonna nobody going to know why and how I'm helping them. What would be the, if you won $10 million, what would be the first thing you would do? To be honest, pay off John's student loans. (laughs) 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 Yo, them doctor bills. Uh, But that's like, once you do that, like, we can just live life. You get what I'm saying? That's like the biggest bill right now. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. I I think my first thing, my thing, I would eventually pay off loans for sure. But I think my first thing would be like, pack up, let's go. Let's just travel for like a few months and I'm gone. (laughs) I'm ghost. You know what? I, and then we and then I'll come back and pay some bills. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. Um, there are a lot of things that I would actually want to do. Like I want want to win a lottery because there are just a lot of nice things I want to do. Like I would actually create a scholarship. I don't know if I could do it with ten million, but if I want a whole bunch of million, like more than ten, <laughs> I would want to like have a bunch of different like scholarships funds, like one for um, mothers, whether married or single, to where. You know, maybe they became mothers early. They didn't get to finish school, but it would provide them with a stipend and to wish mm. and support to be able to go back to school. Like I know a lot of mothers who are now like, I have to wait till my children are done. And like I said, it's married mothers and single mothers. I would also mm. create a fellowship for dissertation research funding, not writing, mm. not the pre-doctoral coursework, but Collecting data is really expensive. So I would want like mm-hmm. a scholarship fund for that. And so, you know, it's a whole bunch of other things. Um, mm, yeah, I think I would be I'm, I'm not trying to be, you know, ex- uh, uh, exclusive, but I would definitely be not just because I am a qualitative researcher, but I would definitely have funds for that for those. Folks. Yes, no, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Because sitting at Purdue, you know, I mean, most even most schools, you know, you have a lot of friends and colleagues that do a lot of quant. And so, you know, you get the data and they're crunching the numbers and they're doing stuff, but they don't need like as much resource as far as going to a site, mm-hmm. getting space, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. All the all the funds that that costs, like just doing it personally as a on a graduate student budget. I'm like, nah, I wish I had a little bit more help with that. <laughs> no, absolutely. It is so expensive. Uh, like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm coming out of a lot of money and I'm not because I'm not on campus teaching because I'm collecting data. I'm actually I don't get like stipend support or, or like, you know, 
any type of stipend right now. So it, yeah, it's mm. really expensive. And people don't think about that. I think we need more research fellowships, but that's a tangent that like our general mm. audience are like, what are y'all talking about? Yeah, they're probably like, what y'all talking about? It's real out here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one thing, one thing I always want to do, and hopefully one day I can do, but if I definitely won millions, I would definitely try to like, I would literally create like some, I don't know, a business, some kind of job for people who are, who are ex-felons. Mm. Like full-time employment with benefits and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I would like really seek out them for employment rather ra- rather than like regular folk. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that's just, that's just much needed, you know, yeah. giving them the opportunity. One thing I'm finding in my research, so I'm doing research at a high school and it's a, a Title I school uh you know, many of the students, you know, come from like lower socioeconomic backgrounds. And, you know, when I tell you these students are working like 30, 40 hours a week on top of going to school. And it's not because mm. they want to buy the latest J's. It's because they want to help their family. You know, they have mm-hmm. real issues and they're they're not working. Like when I work, when I was working, I really was working to buy the latest J's. I used to wear J's mm-hmm. in high school. But like these kids are are working to help support their families. And I would actually want a scholarship fund to just provide stipend support and, the you know, the, for high school students. And the stipulation is, you know, you have to be involved in extracurricular activities. You can't work outside of receiving a stipend and you have to mm-hmm. get good grades because they can't mm-hmm. focus on school because they're working. Yeah, no, that's true. That's a, that's I've even heard of cases of kids like um, dropping out of school to support their family mm-hmm. so they can get a job mm-hmm. like a high school and stuff like that. So that stuff is real. And I think sometimes, you know, when you're not in those situations, you'd be like, dang, you know, if your family's hungry or you got siblings that are hungry and you, you know, you don't want and you live there every day, mm-hmm. you're going to want to do something about it. Especially if you're the you make, oldest. Mm hmm. And you want to make that sacrifice. Sometimes it's an easy decision, you know, mm-hmm. and the people look at society, look at you like, oh, high school dropout. Why are you doing that? But again, that's why context is important. That's all it boils down to. Mm-hmm. You know? This is why we need qualitative research and qualitative fellowships, because, you know, quantitative folk, they'd be crunching that data and be like, oh, a lot of kids are dropping out at this high school and have no reason why it's <laughs> like they got to work. Sitting down and talking to him, yeah, as far as why. Because, I mean, and honestly, if you want to change, make a difference and change policy and, like, even want to keep kids in school, you need to know why, right? They're leaving. And, and why they're dropping out. Mm-hmm. What are the major reasons if you're going to implement policy? Um, so, yeah. Okay. Random tangent. Yeah. Random tangent. <laughs> like, you know, those are our lottery dreams. Yes. Uh, so, speaking of schools, okay, in Atlanta, after the holidays, a special education teacher decided to bring, you know, leftover treats uh, to school. So, uh, brought some brownies and brought a coconut cake. The teacher said that... Um, he baked the 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 cakes and the brownies on his own. Well, the issue was after sharing the sweets with two students and a teacher, all of those people who ate them all of a sudden started getting blurry vision, started feeling sick and very funny, um, started feeling uh, like they were hallucinating a little bit. Come to find out there was weed in the sweets. Oh, that was my first thought. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> they got a little extra, a little yeah. extra in them sweets, man. I 
don't know if the teacher accidentally like brought the wrong batch to school. I I don't know. But like one of the teachers like went to the doctor the next day and like got a like drug test. And it did confirm that there was he had marijuana in his system, which, you know, I'm guessing because, you know, that's a surprise since he doesn't do it in his own time. Mm -hmm. But uh, although the teacher resigned, police said that they could not press any charges because the evidence had been eaten. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. That's funny. That's funny. I guess legally, yeah, you can't press any charges because you don't have any evidence that there was actually weed in the cookies. And anybody can easily say like, oh, you did that on your own time. You did that on your own time. (laughs) That is so crazy though. You got to be careful eating other people's um, (laughs) <laughs> he brought the wrong batch to school. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I wonder what those lessons were like that day in class, yeah. man. I'm a teacher. If if somebody brings brownie to the brownies to the potluck, don't <laughs> eat them, okay? <laughs> don't do it. Oh man, yeah, be careful with the sweets, y'all. Okay, speaking of police not pressing charges, let me tell you about this. So a 79-year-old Ohio man called the police and said that he was being robbed by two African-American women. He said that the two ladies went into his wallet and took $500. Now, here's the twist. What actually happened was he was upset because he hired a two prostitutes and he was upset because they did not deliver the quality of services that he was oh my god for the money that he paid oh my god (laughs) so when the police got to the bottom of it they were like sir we are not going to press charges against them because just because um you know, they didn't meet your expectations. That's not how it works. That's not a robbery. And although, of course, soliciting, um, you know, prostitutes is a crime, they did not press charges against the old man either. <laughs> they could have reversed that. So this man was trying to get his money back and was mad and called the Pope. Called the police. Like, I don't, he was just like, they did not live up to, you know, my standards. They still money and I want it back. That's not how it works. And you don't usually call the police on those types of things. You cannot. Sorry, but not, you know, some some industries just don't have good customer service, man. So, so <laughs> got to take that out. I provide money back guarantee. <laughs> exactly. So take the L and keep it moving, bro. Keep it moving. Um, This next story is a little bit more on the serious side, and it has some important lessons or implications for other people who might not know that they could end up in this situation. So a Detroit father in 2016 um, spoke with the mother of his children um, because they were supposed to be planning a meetup for him to pick up his son, Patrick Jr. Well, when he goes to visit the mother's home to do the exchange, 
The mother is kind of stuttering and she can't quite tell the father where his son is. Um, After he does some digging on the mother's Facebook profile, he sees the name of um, some like social worker that the mother had been working with during a tough tough time. Uh, Her name is Tara Lee. He goes on the lady's Facebook profile and sees his son, um, a picture of his son saying that he's the son needs an adoptive home. Come to find out they had sent the son to Mississippi to be with an adoptive family. They changed the son's name from Patrick Jr. to Theodore. And he had to go through a lengthy process to get his child back. Dang, that's crazy. Yes. And this actually isn't the first time something like this has happened. In 2012, um, a soldier, you know, was in a relationship that broke up. He, mm-hmm. you know, got uh, the, the ex-girlfriend pregnant. You know, she kind of disappeared and come to find out the child had been adopted behind the father's back. And he went through mm-hmm. like a two or three year process to get his child back. Whew. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And so Patrick actually did get his son back, but he said, you know, his son, you know, is kind of confused and still having issues with the separation. You know, he came home mm-hmm. thinking his name was Theodore. And so mm-hmm. the FBI is actually investigating the lady who did the adoption um, because it was illegal. There, there was like a custody agreement with the dad, but they kind of like just ignored that and moved Mm -hmm. forward with adoption behind his back. And so, you know, the legal implications comes into this because if you are not married um, to the person that you are having a child with, you know, up until there's some like legal documentation, your status as a father can be a little bit precarious. Um, And there are actually a lot of people do not know this, but while the child is, you know, still in the womb, there are things that fathers can do. Many states have like a father registry to where you go on before the child is born and you declare your intention to be a father of this child. If your name is in that system, you have to be notified of any uh, legal proceedings related to the child. Like if the mother tries to put the child up for adoption, because you have declared that intent, they cannot legally do anything without you. And if they do, you have a stronger case to um, kind of fight any type of adoption that goes that goes through because mothers can put the child up for adoption, can claim that the father is like abusive or they don't know who the father is. Um, and, you know, the child can be adopted. Mm. Mm, that's crazy. <clears throat> that whole story. But that's a good uh, resource, at least. Yes. So if you are not marrying and you're an expecting a child, especially if uh, you and the mother has, you know, broken up, you know, if you are certain of your, you know, paternity or, you know, somewhat certain of your paternity and you kind of want to declare your intent to be a father, um, do that. You have to protect yourself because, the, like I said, I know those aren't even the only two cases, but the, those are two cases that I've, you know, followed over the years. And um, it's kind of sad. Yeah. You know, that is that is sad. Being a dad, <clears throat> going to pick up your child to see a child and your child's completely gone. Yes. You know, you had no no voice in that. that. 
Yeah, that's alarming in a lot of ways. And um, I think that kind of goes back to the conversation we had a little bit last week. I know we were joking, we were talking, we were asking questions about like DNA mm-hmm. and getting things, you know, from when the child is born, getting all that stuff settled away as soon as possible. Yeah, it's important, you know, to contact both parents or to see, get, see what their intentions are from jump. Mm-hmm. Um, so that way, especially like the child doesn't have to be suffered through all of this, you know, confusion. And like, mm-hmm. who am I? Who are my parents? Why did this happen? Mm-hmm. Um, it's crazy. And thankfully, the mother's paternal rights, uh, maternal, you know, parental rights were completely severed um, after oh, yeah. that. So that's good. And I'm happy that the FBI is investigating the woman who what isn't even like licensed to be an adoption worker. It's kind of like doing like backdoor adoptions, which, you know, happen a lot. Mm, mm, yes. Yeah, cr- and I guess, you know, um, yeah, that shouldn't have happened. She definitely should have done all her due diligence to make sure that the, the father was at least made aware. Uh, but I wonder also, was it just such a dire situation that she was just trying to do all she can to get the child out of, out of it, you know, Well, uh, with the dealing with the mom? Well, because the mom had experienced some homelessness and stuff, but the mom had, uh, so I think they asked about the father um, and the mom was like, oh, the father is abusive. The father is this. Uh, there's no evidence that he, you know, actually was. It seemed like that was potentially a story that, you know, was told to make it to where they didn't have to go through the father to. Because there are potentially like child support implications for the mother if she loses custody to the father. You know what I'm saying? Like just because you lose custody doesn't mean you aren't on the hook for being a parent. And so maybe adoption was her way to like escape parenthood totally. Mm -hmm. Okay, I see. But that's that's speculation on my part. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's 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 a tough situation. But you know, mothers, if you don't want your children, you know, maybe the father will agree to like sever your rights. But you know, don't don't do that. Is is putting the children, you know, through unnecessary drama. Mm-hmm. Do better, folks. Do better. Yeah. But but those are my, you know, oh, Lord, news stories for today. I don't know if you have anything. I know today, you know, it's kind of like the events news episode. Um, so I don't know if you mm-hmm. have anything. Yeah, I got a couple stories that I'll share. Uh, one is this kind of goes along what we were talking about earlier with being one, like kind of being careful of what you put on the Internet and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Well, this doesn't have anything to do with the Internet, but I've seen that with the new um, I know you probably see all these memes with the, like the AirPods. People have iPhones and and like they're the, 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 the AirPods, oh. uh, earphones that people have that are wireless. Uh-huh, yeah, I know. Yeah. So there's like a bunch of, you know, funny memes going around because people who have these AirPods are like essentially bougie in some ways, right? And looking down on people who still have wires in their earphones. <laughs> um, but apparently there's this feature on the on the update with iPhones and AirPods that is called Live Listen. Oh my <laughs> and you And you can put them on. So what it'll do is you can be away from your phone and whatever, you know, and it has on. So your phone is now like um, uh, picking up like a speaker or whatever, and it's picking up the sound mm-hmm. and it's feeding into the, the your earphones. So essentially, like you can leave your phone in a different room uh-huh. and be somewhere else and have your earphones in and hear what people are saying. Right. That is, um, wait, <laughs> not like your phone is ringing. There's a conversation is they could be in another room and you're hearing what other people are saying in that room. In the room, like your phone is in the room with the people. Right? Oh. Like if you want to spy. Oh, no. So I can put 
I can put live on, right? Put my phone in the room, leave it there and walk somewhere else, but have those Air- AirPods in and it's picking up what's being said. You know what I'm saying? Oh, it's no. like listening. No, no. <laughs> Essentially, you know, this can be used for people who have maybe like kids, right? And you have a baby and you just leave the phone in there. Maybe you're washing the dishes and you want to be able to hear the baby crying, whatever, right? But of course, that's not <laughs> what it's about to be used it's for. It's not. People going to be like snooping, eavesdropping. You know, I'm not comfortable with that at all. Yeah, so um, so I, that's why I wanted to share that with everyone because if you see just a a phone lying around and being unattended, uh, you know, turn it off, whatever. Be careful what you're saying. Walk away from that, folks. Somebody may be eavesdropping in your conversation. Yeah, especially if you know um, the person has uh, AirPods. Yeah, uh-huh. that, that's like really creepy. But I know people would use it for reasons that have nothing to do with like protecting oh. a child. Of course, of course. Um, so I, yeah, I just wanted to like. Let everybody know about that. That's what's going on with that. Also, I was about to say for you AirPod users, people should be able to talk their shit in private. Exactly. Stop it. Okay. Uh, Trying to be bougie, but y'all just really just out here being messy. (laughs) Yeah, you ain't bougie. You messy. You messy. That's funny. Um. So yeah, I was surprised when I saw that feature. I said, "Uh oh, <laughs> this is where we going to now," and I know it's probably gonna mess up a lot of relationships too. <laughs> I know, right? Oh uh, man, I can see all the damage that's about to come out with this, with this new update. I gotta talk my 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 stuff in the car. <laughs> Only safe place. Only safe place. Um, other than uh, there's another story. I mean, I want to shout out to uh, Masai Martin. Um, mm-hmm. as well I'm really I'm really excited um, you know she's the young woman the young black girl who's on Blackish oh um, my god who plays Diane yes. who is has become Hollywood's youngest executive producer for her new movie coming out called Little which I'm like really excited about yes. I cannot <laughs> wait to see the movie and just to see oh my goodness because I remember when Blackish first came on she was so young but to see like the young lady she is growing up to be and how mm-hmm. she is making boss movies Move. So proud mm-hmm. of her. Yeah, they said she pitched the idea and um, they loved it. And then, you know, she got the support behind her. And now it's a live, legit movie that is like actually looks very funny and entertaining and well put together. It does. It does. Production. It, it looks very nice. And it has Issa Rae um, in it, which so, you know, it's going to be funny. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I'm, I'm super excited. So shout out to her. Black girl magic doing the thing, you know, making history. <laughs> yes, making history. And like I said, she's just she looks so intelligent and just so well put together. Um, shout out to her. Yeah, it's funny when you watch shows like that. You you literally watch them grow up. <laughs> yeah. Over time, the kids, yeah. And it's like, oh, you feel like a little connection to them, you know? Versus mm-hmm. like other actors, actors who are already adults, but watching them, you're like, okay, you want to see them do well. Like, you support them. Like, come on, you got this. And she out here making big moves. So, yeah. so definitely, if you haven't seen it, go check out the preview called the movie's called Little and mm-hmm. uh, be ready to check. It comes out this spring sometime, so in a couple months. Yeah. So mm-hmm. definitely go give you support and check it out. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Um, there was another quick thing, follow-up from, I know we talked about R. Kelly and that whole situation, so naturally there's a lot of developments coming from that. Mm-hmm. Um, one is that, you know, people are pursuing inv- open investigations on him, mm-hmm. closing down his Chicago studio. Wow. Um, and also his brother, his brother came out too and did an interview talking about 
um, like giving a little bit more details about the molestation they experienced mm-hmm. as children. And apparently uh, it was from their older yeah, sister yeah, I saw um, that. who did it for a few years. And he really like told what she was doing, which was really, really sad, you know, um, to hear what was going on. And, and again, there's a lot of controversy and conversation going about the heart still to this day about this whole R. Kelly situation. I'm sure it will for a while. Mm-hmm. But I just wanted to give a quick update on that, too. And also an update, his lawyer actually, I mean, we knew it was true, but his lawyer actually admitted on behalf of his client that he was indeed married to Aaliyah. But he tried to lie and say he didn't know she was underage. But there were enough interviews that they did. to. They were like, but just a year before they got married, there was an interview where she confirmed like right in front of him that she was 14. So, you know, trying to come up with excuses for the behavior. But, you know, he admitted, yes, I was married to Aaliyah. Just right. And AJ, nothing but a number is enough. Yeah. I mean, that's enough. But yeah, there's no way there's no way you can. There's going to be way too much evidence to say. Yeah. You know that he didn't know. Um and so even with like this whole R. Kelly situation and and Kanye situation and even like um, uh, Charlemagne's book uh, by anxiety. Uh, so we're in the works right now. We're going to bring in our resident psychologist soon <laughs> and have some more conversations about all of these things we've been hearing in the media dealing with mental health and get some more expert analysis on these on these conversations, because it's a lot. And there's a lot of questions I have, too, that I want to ask. And, and so Dr. Dr. Moore will be joining us in the near future to talk about these things. So y'all tune in for that. Yeah, that'll definitely be good. Um, Cause I do, I, there are a lot of people that deal with anxiety on a daily mm-hmm. basis um, and certain situations can, you know, kind of exacerbate that like graduate school, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. And I, and I have questions too, cause it's been a growing uh, concern among academics, especially people who are professors, uh, because uh, students, even my tons and tons of students come up and um, are dealing with anxiety. And sometimes it interferes with their schoolwork. Mm-hmm. But me not being a mental health professional, you know, I'm like, OK, what are the signs of anxiety? How seriously should I take it? You know, especially when you're trying to discern and make decisions on like giving extensions on grades or extra help. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And you don't want somebody just to say it just to you know, take advantage of it. But with so many students coming out, it's hard. It's getting hard for me to even discern, like, how should I approach when a student comes up to me saying they have anxiety? And, you know, I don't know, you know, so, so it's tough. It's tough. And sometimes I try to use my best judgment, but getting some advice on how to handle this from an expert will be definitely helpful for sure. Yeah. And you know what? I think the fact that like so many students are coming that is, I think is a sign of our times. I, you know, and I'm not going to say people didn't have anxiety in the past, but like, there are so many people dealing with anxiety and I think it's a, um, you know, is related to, you know, work environments, school environments. I think social media plays a part because I think that plays a big part. we're being pushed. Like, I feel like sometimes being successful is never enough. Like when you see, you know, somebody on social media, they have this account, like you're never satisfied. And I think mm-hmm. that can make you very anxious if you're just 
if nothing ever makes you content, like you don't want to be complacent, mm-hmm. but if you can never be content because there's always this push to do more, be more and compare yourself to others. I, I think that might also um, impact anxiety. Oh, I definitely feel social media play. Cause I even try to think, you know, I try to put myself okay, in these student situations or even just seeing this increase of conversation amongst students. I'm like, we're not too far removed from being undergrads ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, when I was a student, it wasn't, it just wasn't this big issue, you know, anxiety or people, the same expectations from professors were there of wanting you to do well, or you have hard professor, like the, the educational environment seems to not have changed that much, you know, for mm-hmm. that to seem to be the biggest proponent of giving students more anxiety. But to me, the biggest change has been over these past few years has been technology and social media. Um, and so, yeah, I think comparing or whatever, this, this, there has to be some kind of strong connection uh, because the academic setting itself still hasn't changed that much. It's not like no, yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack there, and I'm excited to have that conversation soon. And and hopefully, I know some of you will probably also have some of the same similar questions and want to know more about it. So we're in the works of making that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'll be fun. Um, one last thing I want to talk about, um, which we kind of do a little deep dive into, is recently um, there was some controversy on social media uh, by a comment. For those of you who don't know, this woman, uh, her name is Sin Santana, and she's typically been involved with a lot of like the love and hip hop TV series mm-hmm. uh, for the past few years. Um, and she's currently just got engaged to Joe Budden, who has a very popular podcast that I listen to. And anyway, a couple of years ago in 2016, she was on a podcast um, called Lip Service, which is Angela Yee's podcast from The Breakfast Club. And on this podcast, she pretty much made a comment about uh, black men, like interracial relationships, why she prefers dating black men because she feels like black men cater to um, Latino, Hispanic women a little bit more. Um, and there was a lot of backlash, uh, primarily from a lot of black women um, on social media where she had to come out, explain herself, apologize. Granted, she is young um, still. She's like in her mid-20s and this was still like three years ago. So she probably was like 22 mm-hmm. around the time she made these comments. So mm-hmm. She was also very young making these comments, which she also addressed and she's learned from them and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But she did come out and apologize Um about these particular comments because a lot of people felt that, you know, they were coming from a, a, a bad place or, or they weren't accurate or kind of going along the same lines. And a lot of people took it as even I listened to the segment just to make sure she didn't say anything about black women in particular, but a lot of the content that was being said about her was that she was saying that black women had attitudes and stuff. And that's why black men don't want to be with them. Um, but she didn't actually say that. All she really said was that black men cater to Hispanic women uh, more or whatever the case may be. In her in her explanation, did she like say why she was saying that or did she just kind of apologize? Um, yeah, I mean, the in the interview, listening to like the context of the interview, they were just having because that pod, that podcast, they talk a lot about a lot of stuff, um, a lot of, usually about relationships and sexual things, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But the topic was mainly about like interracial relationships. Mm-hmm. And they were and um, and she pretty much was saying, like, I'm I'm tired or, you know, I'm not going back to Hispanic men. And she actually said Hispanic men are like too emotional and all this kind of stuff. And then um, then I think Angelique kind of asked, oh, why do you, you know, want to be with black men and that's what she was kind of saying you know they catered to her well and stuff like that that's what she's noticed in her dating experience okay. um, hmm. in the context of the conversation that's the kind of stuff they talk about on this podcast too all the time so I would say that so 
in in some way, okay, I, I feel like what she said, giving given the extra context you've given, I there are some problematic things there. So I think black women are so accustomed to uh, when it comes to the celebrity world. Uh, black men and sometimes non-black women coming out to disparage black women within the context of interracial relationships. Like, you know, black men want me because black women are like this. You know, that's what I think they're accustomed to. And I think uh, because she didn't, you know, I think she kind of cut off her comments in an interview. I think that's where people probably took it, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, again, those are probably very problematic behaviors that have been like a trend over the last few years when it comes to celebrities who date interracially. Um, So I don't, it it seems like she wasn't saying anything about black women, but where her comments are problematic is because it seems like instead of kind of like the talking bad about black women and, and, you know, why there's this interracial thing happen. It seems like she was talking bad about Latino men. Yeah, and like I mean, I using said, her choice to date black men as a way to talk down on Latino men. Mm-hmm. Um, so if anybody should be upset, it should be them because it didn't seem to be about black women. It seemed to be, you know, I'm dating black men because they cater to us and cater to me in a way that like Latino men don't or like you said, mm-hmm. the thing. And I, I think that's problematic in general because nobody wants to be the the reason you need to like go out so it's kind of like interracial people if if you're in love make it about that person don't make it about <laughs> anybody else don't make it about the whole group that's where you get into trouble <clears throat> when you say i date white women because or i date black i don't date black women because like no 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 you can't <laughs> no don't go down that slippery slope yeah don't, um, don't. so it's kind of like if, if black women are giving her a hard time you know if you listen to the message, it's not about you. If anybody should be mad, it should be like Latino men. But it seems like she's apologizing in general to say, like, you know, maybe those comments were immature in, in general. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that led me to do, you know, dig up, look some more research. Cause I was curious to see, like, talking about interracial relations with interracial marriages in particular, like, what are the rates? Um, and because, you know, I have a lot of these conversations, too, uh, with people who are interracial marriages and relationships and with black women, you know, mm-hmm. throughout the course of my life, I had tons of these conversations. And me personally, you know, I love my black women. You know, they are the queens. They do everything right in my eyes. Um, and so, you know, I always I even find it offensive when I see or hear other people, even like black men talk down on black women like it's just um Something that I, you know, just don't sit right with me. Mm-hmm. So I was always curious. But so even with that being said, even having conversations with black women, sometimes I feel like they've always kind of overgeneralized black men, mainly because of what we see in, you know, the celebrity, right? All these black men dating white women or whoever. And they're like, oh, all, the, all these black men are are leaving and, you know, not not caring about us and all that stuff. I'm like, no, we, we still here. Yeah. Like, we yeah, we, we still want to be with y'all. <laughs> like, don't throw me under that bus. You know, I take offense to that. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to look a little bit further into it just to see what some of the research says as far as the rates and what does it really look like when it comes to interracial dating and the makeup of that kind of stuff. Um, so I guess I will start off just asking you a quick question out of and we'll just focus on this is from the Pew Research Center and it was in 2017. So it's recent. Right. These numbers and it's looking at pretty much the collected data on all these newlyweds. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, what do you think is the most and between Hispanics, whites, blacks, and Asians, those are the four major groups they looked at. Who do you feel like is the most 
group, the group most likely to um, interracial marriage, have interracial marriage? Um, either uh, whites and Latinos or whiter, whites and Asians. Mm-hmm. That's exactly correct. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're, I, so context audience, like I, I, I read, a, I read a lot about this stuff too, like in classes and stuff. So Okay. It's be, be hard to like trick me with those stats. Yeah. Yeah. So again, to our average listener, they may not know those kind of things, but you're exactly right. So out of all interracial couples, right, the largest kind of interracial relationship was whites and Hispanics. 42% of interracial relationships were white and Hispanic. Then the second most was white and Asian with 15%. Okay. Then you have white and multiracial at 12%. And then you have white and black at 11%. And then Hispanic and Black being 5%, which is a little shocking to me. I thought that would be a little higher because um, I felt like I'd just see that more. And they're more likely to share similar spaces, Hispanics and Blacks. Um, but but whites and Blacks were were only were the fourth most category compared to the other yeah. ones. But white, that white Hispanic category, actually, I knew white and Asians were pretty high, but I thought that was, I used to think that was the highest. Mm-hmm. But I did not know white and Hispanic was 42%. I mean, that's, that's a big number. That's almost half of all interracial marriages. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Cause to be so like, and cause I know a lot of people get like, uh, ethnicity and race mixed up, but there are mm-hmm. a lot of white Latinos or, you know, white. so it's kind of like culturally there's a difference, but racially not necessarily. That is true. I think, um, and so then I also wanted to just look at, again, within conversations that I've had, particularly about black folks, um, kind of look at the numbers as far as black men and black women who are, you know, what are what are those ratios looking like, depending who's mo- like more likely to marry outside the race. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, again, well, one, the both whites and blacks are out of all these groups are still the most likely to marry within within their race mm-hmm. um, compared to these other groups. But uh, the Black women still quite loyal to, to you know, um, the black men where only 12 percent of them date outside the race or marry outside. How the many, race. What was the percent again? 12 percent. Yeah. Um, so so that means yeah, 88 percent of, of black women are still with marrying black men in particular. Um, black men, 24 percent. Right. Mm-hmm. So so that pretty, pretty much one out of every four black men is marrying outside the race. But again, this is important. Why I like to highlight this is that means that 75 percent of black men are still marrying black women. Right? Okay. So counter to what you may see in the media and in the news. Right. Or so uh, celebrities, all this kind of stuff where these ratios may look a little skewed. Um, majority of, of black men, like majority of black women are still still with one another. Um and it's not to the extent that I think most people are, are saying it. But with whites, um, I mean, whites are really, really the the group that stays within their own. <laughs> um, I mean, only 12 percent of white men date outside and only 10 percent of white women mm. date outside their group. Um, so, I do uh, you think know. it's interesting that they have similar rates of dating and marrying out. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, they're staying, they're staying. And so, again, black women are even staying on the similar rates as, you know, white men and, and white women, you know, and all the other groups are pretty much are the ones more likely to, to be dating outside yeah. uh, their race. Um, I would say on this topic, um, because like I said, I think that celebrity men, uh, black men kind of give this impression that, you know, all black men may feel the same way about dating out or marrying out because, you know, I would say seeing Santana's comment, when it comes to celebrity world, I would actually 
based on outside perception, I would agree like, yeah, black men really or black celebrity men really are into a certain aesthetic. And I could mm-hmm. see them catering to a certain type of demographic because when we look, you know, at celebrity males, most of the wives look almost exactly alike. I mean, they're like, you know, small like differences, but they all kind of have like the same look, you know, mm-hmm. the same look. And so we can't deny that. So she wasn't even inaccurate. Like I said, the only problem was her like, you know, trying to blame that on like Latino men. But mm-hmm. I, I could see where her, you know, experiences ring true in that world. But there is also this perception that, you know, men, black men with a lot of education or black men, you know, who make high income, maybe not celebrity high income, but like high income. But even that is a myth. Did you know that? As far as more likely to intermarry? That, um, you know, black men with education and black men who say make over a hundred thousand dollars, you know, there's mm-hmm. this perception that like, yeah, you know, you kind of get on you know, you get educated or you start making a lot of money and, you know, these educated brothers don't want black women. Have you heard of that? Mm-hmm. Or- oh, yeah, I've heard of that, too. Well, one thing. So there's actually some research that was done like in 20, 2011 or 2012 or something like that by Ivory Toltz. And he's a Howard University professor. And he was just kind of tired of hearing like or he. He wanted to actually see whether, you know, this particular pattern was true. And what he actually found was like using census data, he found that among married black men with a personal income above 100,000, 83 percent have black wives. Mm. And among married black men with college degrees, 85 percent have black wives. Now, that might have shifted a little bit because that was 2011. It's been nine years, but it probably hasn't shifted more than like, you know, 10 so percentage points. So, you know, it's probably still. Well, I have some of those. Well, I don't have the. Um, salary ranges, but I do have some information on education um, and it's around those same numbers, right? Um, Now, although education and interracial marriages had a stronger link between Blacks and Hispanics, no, actually Hispanics more than any other group. Um, uh, But anyway, Blacks with a bachelor's degree, Black men with a bachelor's degree, or Blacks uh, was 80, 80%, Mm. 81%, something like that. Well, 21%, you know, are likely to do it. So about 80%. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah. So they're about the same. And that's including men and women. So I don't have the differences between, oh, I do have the difference between men and women right here. Um, So Black women with a bachelor's degree or more, only 13% marry outside the race mm. and black men with a bachelor's degree or more ages 25 and older, um, 30%. Okay. Okay. But that's still the vast majority of black men, mm-hmm. you know, have these degrees are still marrying black women. Yeah. Yeah. Again, that's, that's all this about. This is the only reason I want the reason I want to look into it too, because I think it's just like, it just gets overgeneralized to the point where they think, a lot of people are thinking that black folks and black men in particular, the majority of them are no longer interested in or dating within the race. And that's not the case. Majority of them are, but there's still a large chunk that are not, you know, mm-hmm. about a quarter with all these statistics are showing, um, you know, one in every four. But it doesn't mean that, you know, 
and again, I don't want this to come off that this is an issue if you date outside the it's race, not. marry outside it's the not. race. It's not, but I am speaking from a personal stance of how I feel about these situations and looking up these things. And, you know, I just want people to be clear that, again, all I'm trying to say is that majority of folks are still dating within the race. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And and that's, it shouldn't be, you know, neither. Uh, it's a, to me, it's a good thing, you know. Um, but yeah. I do want to say this real quick, because this is interesting. And I'm, I'm trying to find there was a you know, I'm on message boards and there was actually mm-hmm. this thread and it linked a book and an article, although I, I it's a Google book. I, uh, well, it's a, a real book, but it's on Google and I can't like get into it right now and I didn't buy mm-hmm. it. But there was a statistic in the book that actually said black women making over 100K are more likely than black men who make over 100K to marry out. And that while like, at that time, 85% of black males making over 100K marry within their race. Only 63% of black women making over 100K was marrying inside the race. Mm. Interesting, huh? <laughs> oh, how the tables have turned. Huh? Oh, I was like, you get more money, honey. <laughs> how the tables have turned. Oh, that's funny. Um, no, that's what I like. I like having these, you know, just looking at these things just to give people, you know, accurate assessments of what's going on. Um, there was another little thing looking at kind of just uh, the, the the ratio of the couples, like husband to wife, like what's more likely to be. Um, and so, you know, with the whole white Hispanic situation, again, that made 42 percent, 22 percent of those is where the husband is uh, going to be white and the, the, the wife is going to be Hispanic. Um, white Asian, 11%, where the uh, white person is the husband and then the black person is Asian. Um, let's see here. And white and black, 3% is where the husband was white and, and, the, and the, uh, the wife was black. And then 7% being um, the other way around. So majority, most of it is, when you're talking about interracial couples, black men and white women versus vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, you know, it's, it's important, like you said, to look at stats and even another, uh, stat that I want to talk about is there was like this statistic related to like making it seem like black, it was impossible for black women to get married at all. It was kind of like a, oh, like it was a very high statistic. It was like, you know, X percentage of black women have never been married. And so people, you have to be careful with statistics because this same person, Ivory Tolson, um, you know, when he reanalyzed the data, he found out that they were including people that was like 18, 19, 20 ages that wouldn't typically get married. Mm. And that when you looked at like above 25 and even above 30, like the majority of black women had at least been married once. Mm. So, again, that's that's important when you're looking at data. And this is even the data I'm looking at. Most of it is from 25 and up, um, which is important because nobody's really getting married at the ages of 18. So if you include that demographic, it's definitely going to skew the data um, for sure. So that makes sense. Glad you pointed that out. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of interesting things when we're looking at this. Uh, again, they have things about ages and all that kind of stuff and and intermarriage of course you can as you can believe uh, interracial marriages are less common at people who are older 
Um, you know, it doesn't make it's more common against people who are younger, mm-hmm. um, which is just a, a sign of the change of times, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, and it's more common in metro areas and in rural areas. Makes sense. Um, but yeah, so all you guys can check this out. We'll put a we'll put a link up to it when we post this episode, so that you can, you know, peruse through these graphs and these statements and, and this data as well, and and be a little bit more informed when it comes to to interracial marriages and dating. And because again, you see these kind of conversations happening, like we saw with Sin Santana, all social media, these debates that come up. At least it's good for you to have some some accurate information if you're going to contribute to these conversations. Uh, agreed. Agreed. Another reason, you know, is really important and we're going to link these is because, you know, a lot of people, they see images in the media or they see statistics and they become very discouraged. I know that's definitely the case with like some black women who wonder, like, will I ever get married? You know, do black men want me? And it's important that we have the accurate information or, you know, we have this data so that we can put context around some of these discussions. And, you know, I mentioned this earlier, but the statistic was, you know, people have been saying a statistic like 42% of black women have never been married. Um, But when you actually look at the same data and you increase the age to 35, 75% of black women have been married, you know, even if that includes divorce, but they have been married by the age of 35. So, Mm -hmm. you know. So again, there's hope. It's hope. That's all, you know, it don't believe everything you see. And, and there, there's still black men that love black women. <laughs> and you don't. You don't have to love them romantically, uh, but don't dislike them platonically. Is, and, you know, if you date interracially, you know, big ups to you. You know, hopefully, you know, you have success in your union. Make it about your relationship and not about, you know, outside people and outside factors. You love that person. And I think it'll be a, a lot of hostility around like interracial relationships. I think with society, if, you know, just, if you just make it about your partner and nobody else. Yes. Yes. I think that's, that's the key. And I think that's what, I think that's always my main point of irritation with, again, with, with even when black men, I don't have an issue with black men like dating outside the race. What always the issue was when they're just like, if they're doing it or they're getting or talking bad about black women, especially when they got black mamas, yeah. you know, and that just really, really irritates me like no other. I'm like, all right, but you want to date, date who you want to date, be who you want to date, but still continue to protect our queens and uplift them and don't, you know, contribute to the already, you know, the rhetoric of Harry Bell's trying to tear them down and tear them apart. Don't you do that. Don't you be a part of that? And it's funny because, you know, even though there's no, I have no data to connect it to, but even looking at these percentages, <laughs> there is like, a, um, it seems like they're also comparable to those percentages of what we trends we see with voting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, with those numbers. It's so funny. It's so <laughs> there's like the percentages of black men dating outside the race and black women not. And then like, you know, they're very close. <laughs> I'm not trying to say there's any relation there, but, you know, somebody might want to throw that data in some software and just see if there's some correlations that can be discussed a little bit. (laughs) Right, though. It is. It is. (laughs) That's crazy. Oh, man. Too funny. Too funny. Um, But, yeah, that's all I that's all I had today. and hopefully, you know, y'all got something out of this conversation. It's always fun as usual. Yeah. We'll have one more episode like this for the month and then we'll ha- hop back into our regularly scheduled programming for 2019, bringing you these interviews and, and content from people that we've talked to, whether they're authors, professionals, academics, et cetera. Um, that'll, that'll be fun. We'll, we'll keep doing that. Sounds good to me. 
All right, cool. So as usual, uh, if you haven't yet, follow us on social media at BHD Podcast. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, you can email us at black and, uh, bhdpodcast at gmail.com if you have ideas, if you want to be a guest, whatever it is, questions, things, people you want to um, send to us as far as who to interview, just let us know. And, um, you know, we're always, we're always responsive to that kind of stuff. So email us, visit our website, www.blackandhollydangerous.com to keep up with our latest content and the blog that will be coming soon as well. But you'll also find all our podcast episodes on there. And then also continue to rate and review us on iTunes if you haven't done that already. And more importantly, the most important thing, share us. You know, if, if you like us and you listen to us all the time, you know, share us with your friends. Share this with your families and share this with your enemies. And as always, continue to be the oppressor's worst fear. If you're interested in continuing this and other conversations, visit our website, blackandhollydangerous.com to subscribe to our email list, suggest topics, and participate in our discussion forums. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at BHD Podcast. And please don't forget to subscribe and rate our podcast on your favorite platform. And as always, continue to be the oppressor's worst fear.